First thing I remember knowing was a lonesome whistle blowing and a young un's dream of growing up to ride on a freight train leaving town, not knowing where I'm bound, and no one could change my mind but Mama tried. One and only rebel child from a family meek and mild, Mama seemed to know what lay in store. In spite of all my Sunday learning, from the bed I kept on turning, till Mama couldn't hold me anymore. And I turned 21 in prison, doing life without parole. No one could steer me right, but Mama tried, Mama tried, Mama tried to raise me better. But her pleading I deny That leaves only me to blame Cause Mama tried Dear old daddy, rest his soul He left my mom with a heavy load She tried so very hard to fill his shoes Working hours without rest She wanted me to have the best She tried to raise me right But I refused And I turned 21 in prison Doing life without parole No one could steer me right but Mama tried, Mama tried, Mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I denied, that leaves only me to blame, cause Mama tried. Thank you, Donica. We'll come back to that song uh, at the end. Uh, absolutely one of my favorite songs and lots of reasons. We're going to start out with a story, a story I'm going to tell that I've told often. Some of you may have heard it. Uh, it's short. I call it, I like to label my stories, I call it The Biscayne. In 1953, Chevrolet made a vehicle called the Biscayne. In about 1963, my dad bought one really quite used. Originally, the 53 Biscayne was what I would call a pastel green. And to try to imagine the color of that pastel green, think of Queen Elizabeth and her bright colored dresses, especially when she makes public appearances. She wore a pastel green dress when she met with Melania Trump. It's a classic photo of two 
rather stern-looking people in her lovely pastel green dress. But the 53 oxidized Biscayne was the vehicle I had to use in order to take my date to the decoration day before the junior prom. And I was waiting on that Thursday night for my dad to get home. He's, uh, he worked late often. And in this case, it was 6, 6.30, and he wasn't home yet. It was getting dark, a spring day, and I wanted to go pick up my date. He finally drives in the gravel driveway. I rush out the back door of our old farmhouse. He tosses me the key. In 10 feet, oxygen completely drained from my lungs. Skunk spray will do that. My, my father's ability to hit skunks out on that country road was hard to compare to. And imagine the thought I had there. I had a date with, oh my goodness, I, a charming, charming, dark-haired, dark-eyed, olive-complected lass. What do I do? And my first thought was, well, maybe she won't care. <laughs> so I rolled the windows down on the car, put it into gear. There might be a few of you here who know how to put a 1953 standard shift with three on the column in gear. I could do it with my left hand and steer. Bench seats. They don't make them like that anymore. And uh, so I drove over to the other side of town. She came running out of the house, jumped in the car. My wishes were fulfilled. She said nothing. We talked about what I suppose were the decorating that we were going to be doing. We did. We decorated. Got back in the car. I figured, well, this will be a pleasant ride home, won't it? Nobody else had parked by my car. But again, my date said nothing. I do not recall if I got a peck on the cheek. I really don't. I think maybe in my imagination I did. And uh, the next morning in school, I'm standing by my locker with my best friend, Donnie Vormans, and the girl he's taking to the prom, Nancy. And my date come over, and we're talking about things, and Donnie goes, boy, your car stunk last night. And my date goes, hmm. Hmm. And I said, hmm, why hmm? And Donnie's date goes, Greg, she can't smell. <laughs> so you all know things turned out okay. How many years later? quite a few years later. I don't know if there's a moral to that story. Um, it just happens that way. We're going to tell stories today. And uh, in the midst of a world where 
Voices are angry. Voices are voices of hurt. A great deal of discord. And uh, our, our large discourse in, in its large part is, is, is wrecked. Uh, we're not able to talk to each other easily. People we should be able to talk to. And through my talks, my very civil talks with a dear friend of mine, Mr. Tom Mueller, Professor Tom Mueller, right there, his mother, Elaine, a long-term member of Zion. Tom said, well, just tell stories. Let's get it down to the simplest things. So I decided to combine songs that tell stories with some storytelling. The rules for the storytelling are simple. Um, not a, probably everybody will want to tell a story, nor will they tell a story. But once we uh, finished the first story song, uh, then maybe we'll take five minutes and somebody in a, in a small group, in your small groups, be willing to tell a five-minute story. I suppose I can get on my knees and plead. Hopefully some of you will tell a story. But make it a story in which you discover or can explain the foibles of human nature where you can laugh at yourself. Something that doesn't take you too serious or other people too serious. Certainly don't slander anybody. Out of the 1800s comes Tom Dooley. Uh, there was a Tom Dula, D-U-L-A, and the folks around that community in the late 1800s called him Tom Dooley. In, uh, <clears throat> before the Civil War, he was supposedly in love at age 14 with a, another 14-year-old called Laurie Foster. And then after the war, uh, I guess in even more than a menage a trois, uh, menage a five or six or something, uh, a lot of jealousy occurs, and then he kills her. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Poor boy, you're bound to die. I met her on a mountain. There I took her life. Met her on a mountain. Stabbed her with my knife. Now join in. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Poor boy, you're bound to die. There's time tomorrow. Reckon where I'll be. If it hadn't been for Grayson, I'd been in Tennessee. So hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. 
poor boy, you're bound to die at this time tomorrow. Reckon where I'll be down in some lonesome valley, hanging from a white oak tree. So hang down your head, down to Hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Poor boy, you're bound to die. The original Tom Dooley uh, was uh, not hung from a white oak tree, but a scaffold in public. So maybe... Uh, Turning to two or three, four folks, somebody will tell a story for about five minutes. Others of you might listen in. And that means, uh, in my best teacher way, I have to convince some of you to tell a story. I can't grade you, no grade book. Contemporary times, I have to tell you what a good job you did. You're going to do a fine job. I hope someone tells a story, and I hope you lean into someone else and listen. I'm going to give you about five, six, seven, eight minutes. Would you please? If you could end your story. This song did not originate with Simon and Garfunkel. It's well back into the 1800s over in the British Isles. Please sing along every word. Are you going to Scarborough Fair? Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Remember me to one who lives there. She once was a true love of mine. Very nice. Tell her to make me a Cambridge shirt. Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme Without no seams or Tell her to 
find me an acre of land Parsley, sage, rosemary, thyme Between the salt water and the sea strand then she'll be a true love of mine. Read the words again. Give me one to three words describing the singer, the individual who sings this song. Read the words and describe this individual. I have two words. I think he's a rat fink. I think that's too nice. He's telling, he's, he's saying, you know, you were once a love of mine and now do all these impossible things and I'll love you again. Find an acre of land between the salt water and the sea strand. Wash this shirt in a dry well. He's a fink. And we love the song. Oh, it's so pretty. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, melts your heart. All right. <laughs> Marguerite. <laughs> Isn't that the truth, you know? <laughs> and actually, I have a whole list of songs from the 50s and 60s that we all sang for whatever reasons, where it's a male voice and, and he's a fink. You know, I mean, it's just pure and simple. All right, with that said, let's take another five minutes to tell one of those good stories. Would you please, one more? Turn to a friend, some friends. He walks these hills. I mean, that's a whale. So on the chorus, you're singing the chorus. It's a whale. It's a moan. Do your job well. Ten years ago, on a cold night, there's someone. Whoa, there's a reason. Ten years ago On a cold, dark night There was someone killed Neath the town hall There were few at the scene But they all agreed That the man who ran Looked a lot like me She walks these hills In a long black veil She visits my grave While the night winds wail Nobody knows 
Nobody sees, nobody knows but me. The judge said, son, what is your alibi? If you were somewhere else, then you don't have to die. I spoke. Not a word, though it meant my life, for I'd been in the arms of my best friend's wife. She walks these hills in a long black veil. She visits my grave. Well, the night winds wail, nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody knows but me. The scaffold was high, and eternity was near. She stood in the crowd and shed not a tear. But sometimes at night, when the cold winds moan, she hides my bell. She cries over my bones. She walks these hills. In a long black veil, she visits my grave. When the night winds wail, nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody knows but me. That's a sad story. And the imagery is sad. The pace is sad. Everything is sad. That one image of the long black veil really does uh, lend a touch to a deep sorrow. Written in the 1950s, we all thought it was an ancient folk song by the same individual who wrote Detroit City. So <laughs> as soon as you think you got something, you don't. But great imagery and a, and a song that, as story songs go, what a conceit. The guy's dead in the grave and he's singing a song. Um, so that we can make time, I, I appreciate and thank you for telling stories. I'm going to uh, do another story song. Uh, and uh, kind of a, and I don't know if it's a reprimand but it's a reaction to modern culture. Uh, you're going to have to listen to the words this time. And you don't have them printed in front of you. And I'll sing it as slow as I can so you hear the words. Um, I first heard it when my father sang it to me. So I always enjoyed it.
that's your part. He was your man, but he was doing you wrong. Got it? He was your man, but he was doing you wrong. Frankie and Johnny were lovers. Oh, Lordy, how they could love. They swore to be true to each other. Oh, as true as the stars above. He was her man, but he was doing her wrong. Frankie, she was a good woman. As everybody knows, she spent a hundred dollars just to buy her man some clothes. He was her man. But he was doing her wrong Frankie went down to the corner Just for a bucket of beer Said, Mr. Bartender Has my loving Johnny been here? He was my man But he's doing me wrong Bartender says No, I don't want to tell you no stories And I don't want to tell you no lies I saw your man about an hour ago With a girl named Nellie Bly Nellie Bly He was your man but he's a-doing you wrong Frankie went down to the hotel Didn't go there for fun Underneath her kimono She wore a forty-four gun He was her man But he was doing her wrong Frankie looked over the transom To see what she could spy There sat Johnny on the sofa Just loving up Nellie Bly He was her man But he was doing her wrong Frankie got down from that high stool Didn't want to see no more Rudy toot toot Three times she shot Right through the hardwood door He was her man But he was doing her wrong The first time that Frankie shot Johnny He let out 
an awful yell. Oh, the second time she shot him, there was another man's face in hell. He was her man. Frankie, she said to the sheriff, what do you reckon they'll do? Sheriff, he said, Frankie, it's the electric chair for you. He was your man, but he was doing you wrong. The story has no moral the story has no end the story only goes to show that there ain't no good in men he was her man but he was doing her wrong he shouldn't have done it he had it coming my love my love, don't lie to me. Tell me where did you sleep last night? In the pines, the pines where the sun never shines. I would shiver the whole night through let's do the chorus one more time in the pines in the pines where the sun never shined I would shiver the whole night through the longest train I ever saw went down that Georgia The engine passed at six o'clock and the caboose passed by at nine. In the pines, in the pines, where the sun never shines, I would shiver the whole night through. The Biscayne, the Biscayne, what do I smell? Will it drive my love away? Gregory, I only use my nose to blow, but have the sense to know what's on your mind. In the pines, in the pines, where the sun never shines, I would shiver the whole night through.
in the Pines is a song that's famous for people putting in their own laments and their own stories. So it, it's a song that's back into the 1800s, and there are verses about decapitations in, by a train. Um, if um, you actually studied all the words, you'd discover that the prisoner is talking to his love and what are you going to do now? And ultimately, the secret is, is that she's obviously going to have to go into a deep and dark life and sell herself. So that takes us back to Mama Tried. Right? Mama Tried. In uh, first grade, I never went to kindergarten. So first grade was the first day of school. And the nun... Uh, who was the first grade nun, was also the principal of school. And she placed me in a desk, and I sat there, always been an obedient child, and I sat there, and there was a commotion out in the hallway, and the nun rushed out into the hallway, and a little while later, by the ears, she drag in, drug in my oldest brother. I had four brothers, and my oldest brother... Uh, had just broken the nose of a kid by the name of Tommy Lafon. May he rest in peace as my brother. May my brother rest in peace. And she took my brother and she found four dictionaries, faced the wall, spread his hands out, and put two dictionaries in each hand. And, and I, in my first day of school, my first half hour, watched my brother in this kind of type of crucifixion face the wall for breaking the nose of a neighbor kid. Adrian was a hellion. In my eighth grade, again, I'm an obedient human being. In the eighth grade, I was told by the seventh grade nun that I would be the captain of the school patrol. So the nun, Sister Bridget, called us up to the desk and said, who's Greg? Is Adrian your brother? Yes. Well, we'll give this badge to Rosemary. Gave it to my cousin, Rosemary. Gave the lieutenant's badge to Ronnie Stiff. Assigned me to the farthest post on the playground where no kid ever, ever crossed. Why did she do that? So I went home and told my sad story to my mother, and at which point my mother told me that in Adrian's second grade, he had Sister Bridget. And Adrian was not obeying, not listening, and Sister Bridget walked up to him with one of those pointers. And she shook it at him, and Adrian turned to her and said, you hit me with that, I'll brain you. Of course she hit him, hit him hard. Broke the pointer, which flew across the room, and broke a picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And my mother and father were called in. And of course, in those days, 
they sided with the teacher as appropriate. Adrian was a hellion. And so now my Father's Day story. And Mama tried. My mother tried so hard with Adrian, so hard. And he was thrown out of high school and uh, was traveling around with a tough crew. And uh, one day, I remember it very well, my next to my oldest brother, who shared a room with my oldest brother, came down and told my dad and mom that Adrian had brought a gun home, a little pistol, one of those Saturday night specials. And he was saying he was going to shoot Bruno. Bruno's the chief of police. So my dad went up, got the gun. Adrian wasn't at home at that point. And I can see him at the kitchen table filing that fire pin down. Then he went down into our basement and I heard him banging and he literally bent the barrel of the gun. And then when my brother came home, it was a traumatic scene for me as a child, watching the anger in my brother and just the stupefying terror in my father and mother. And finally, my brother and my dad went out of the house and my mother said, just sit down. Of course, we all ran to the window and wanted to watch what was going on. And they went by this old Chevy my dad had. And uh, they're pushing each other. And finally, it's like they're wrestling and they fall to the ground. And my memory is they were hugging each other in the deepest hug. And in the years passed, as the years passed, I realized that my father at that point could do nothing other than mother his son. It's the only thing he could give him. And as the years went by, it worked. Mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I denied, and I have only me to blame because Mama tried. Later in life, my brother basically says those words over and over and over about how much he was to blame. A different social take on what's current. Is it or isn't it? I don't know. But it's one of the stories I love. And when Merle Hangerts and Mama tried, that story hit me hard. So you all be on your way. Thank you. <laughs>